rap than the name that makes it happen. No further introduction to the man that's for extracting. City's clapping for his relentless backing. A vasty against the former team that just went packing. While they're slacking, another host are lacking. He tells it like it is on issues that nobody's tackling. While he's racking, the ones who keep on grappling. The listeners, some followers who get it, keep on stacking. Great friend, and the type to set a trend. President, I see where haters with the men, there's no pretend. 17 years, he along with Pierce, entertaining Southern Cali back by popular demand. Intense for the listeners to resonate To the hottest topics of the day, check the resume While some local leaders seem to lack the unity My man uses his voice to do what's best for the community Westwood one, catch him on the sidelines Reporting live what we later see in highlights No holds barred, just like on his timeline Sun filter podcast, no need to follow guidelines Meet any criteria, dropping bombs like Syria Touching down, hollow around, connected like Expedia Coming to your speakers live from the city of Bestie Welcome to the Scott Kaplan Media Great friends, thanks for being with me here on the Scott Kaplan Solo Podcast. I don't know how you found me, whether it's the Mighty 1090 or Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. Either way, glad you're here and glad you're part of the Solo Podcast. So this week, we went to Minneapolis for the Super Bowl, took the radio show there for Radio Row, and... I think I've come back with something. Not really sure what. Could be flying airplanes. You know, everybody thinks you get sick on airplanes. Could be. We flew um, Frontier Airlines back from Minneapolis. What a weird airline. I've been on it once before. I didn't remember it being like this, but it's like a no-frills airline where you pay for everything. Like, if you make eye contact with the gate counter attendant, you're going to have to pay like $5. You walk onto the plane and... The seats are the bare bones of a seat that seemed to come off an assembly line where the next step would be, let me put down some padding and then some fabric and make it really super comfortable. I'm talking about the seat that came out like with the plastic shell. And I got to tell you something, I, I kind of found it to be very comfortable. I didn't mind it, not one bit. I looked at it and said, this thing's going to be rock hard, but I liked it. Didn't bother me at all. Hey, look, get me on time. And get me safe to where I'm going. And Frontier Airlines, if I can save money, I'll do it. So Minneapolis was a very cool city. I got to say, I'm not a cold weather fan. I, I, I hate cold weather. I don't feel like I was outside that much while in Minneapolis. So from a media hotel onto a media shuttle, inside maybe you know 100 or 200 yards of walking from the bus into the Mall of America, in the mall all day long, which is like the MGM Grand of malls. So it's just massive and you can walk there all day and feel like you're outside. They've got an amusement park in the mall. It's amazing. So I never really felt like I was really cold. And then Saturday night, we were in downtown Minneapolis. We'd gone to a hotel lobby bar. This was where all the NFL players were staying, and there were a lot of Hall of Fame guys hanging out down at the bar. It was kind of cool. But then we all left, me and a group of people, and um, we went. We walked about 15 minutes outside, and this is probably 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, and it was cold. But, of course, I'm properly dressed for it. Let me send a shout-out to my friends from Skins. These guys are right up. Now, this is an international brand. Anybody can look this up, Google it, Skins. They happen to have an office here in Southern California in San Diego, right up in the Encinitas part of town. And um, I was wearing, like when I was a kid, my mother would say, put on your long johns. This was long underwear, right? Fruit of the loom, like this fabric-y underwear. And it was just long underwear, thermal underwear, long johns. Today, it's 
compression. It's uh, it's not long johns and it's not long underwear. It's compression tights. And let me tell you something. This brand Skins, they had this thermal compression tight set that I wore top and bottom. Listen, I could go out with nothing else on. No jeans, no sweatshirt, no jacket, nothing. Just in the compression gear from Skins, this thermal compression gear, and I could have been 72 degrees the entire time. It was so hot in this Skins compression gear that I literally had to get to the mall the first day, take it off, go to a store and buy underwear and a shirt because I was like overheating. Great outside, very hot on the inside. Back to Minneapolis, though, I I never really felt like I was outside and cold. I thought the city did a a phenomenal job of hosting the Super Bowl. I know a lot of people bitch and complain about cold weather. I thought it was great. I had a great time. The concerts were amazing. Jennifer Lopez on Saturday night, if you saw my Instagram, there was a guy standing next to us at the bar. He's a tall guy, crazy hair, and you're like, okay, he's part of something having to do with the show. And when Jennifer Lopez went into a, a Prince set, this guy leaves the bar where we are, walks backstage, goes directly on stage with a guitar, jams the Let's Go Crazy uh, guitar solo. Everybody in the entire concert hall is going nuts. He runs off the stage right back to the bar where we were, and he's high-fiving us like the guy just won the Super Bowl. So a lot of those pictures are on Instagram and on Twitter. It was a terrific time, and uh, it was a great week. But here's what happens. When you live in San Diego and you've been to Super Bowls in San Diego and you know that San Diego is, bar none, the greatest Super Bowl city in America, taking nothing away from New Orleans, Miami, Phoenix, and other places, I'm here to tell you that San Diego is the greatest Super Bowl city in the country. And by the way, when the NFL gets to Los Angeles, just remember, that is the worst traffic in America again, 2017. So you can have a Super Bowl in that beautiful new stadium, but man, people are just going to bitch and complain about how hard it is to move all around. I thought that the people of Minneapolis did a great job of helping folks from out of town get around. They did a great job, but it's nothing compared to San Diego. So what happens is when you go into Minneapolis and you see that brand new stadium and you see that piece of art that they've created, you can't help but think what could have been. So I'm trying my best. I promise you I am to not talk stadium and politics on the radio. I I feel like people got tired of stadium talk and tired of hearing from politicians and lawyers and bullshitters. So I don't really want to talk about Soccer City, San Diego State West, potentially a new arena downtown. I don't want to talk to the mayor anymore. I don't want to talk to city council people anymore. I don't want to talk to San Diego State representatives. I don't want to talk to Soccer City representatives. And By the way, you probably know some of those guys are some friends long before Soccer City. I'm trying to keep that stuff off the radio, but I can't help it sometimes. So today, for this week's episode of the Scott Kaplan Solo Podcast, yeah, it's time. Let's talk about a few of these things. My friend Ernie Hahn has run the Valley View Casino Center, which for those of you that don't live in Southern California, don't live in San Diego, that's the sports arena here in town. And dude, I know, I know I got a lot of friends, all you Eagles fans out in Philly who are just living the high life right now. It's going to be hard to believe what I'm about to tell you because you've gotten a new football stadium in your lifetime and a new basketball hockey arena in your lifetime and a new baseball stadium in your lifetime. If you're anywhere else other than San Diego, you've had these new facilities likely built and your teams aren't going anywhere. Of course, unless you're in St. Louis or Oakland. 
So I come back from Minneapolis and my, my thoughts are what Minneapolis accomplished and what we did not accomplish. And in trying to keep this stuff off the radio, I went to visit my friend Ernie Hahn. Ernie's family's been in San Diego forever. They've been a really important part of the history of San Diego. And Ernie and his family have been running the arena in some form or another for like the last 30 years. Ernie Hahn is always very opinionated when he comes on the radio. But language barriers and radio commercials always seem to slow him down. Ernie Hahn talks about everything in this interview. From building a new arena in San Diego to the battle between Soccer City and San Diego State, to the Chargers ripping his heart out, and the two owners' sons trying to suck back up to this community. Ernie Hahn goes off. Great friends. Enjoy. So, Ernie Hahn, let me ask you... um, you and I just walked into this into this building, this office. You've been in this office for a long time. I see your assistant, Kathy Padilla, across the way. She's in your old office. She's in my old office. Dude, you got shit everywhere <laughs> in here of all the history of the arena. Dude. Yeah, it's a Point lot. Point something it's, out. Tell me something. Tell me a story about something. Uh, right to your right and my left, the double-wide Garth Brooks poster. Um, you know, we've done this poster program since 2009, and- uh, we wanted to give something to the artist when they came through and do something special. And just like you're doing your podcast and creating content and memories and all that, we want to give the artist something different. They don't want a, a, a goals jersey or a jersey from a team. That's nothing against the goals. It's just typically you give them a hat or something like that, they turn to a roadie and say, hey, Johnny, do you like the goals or whatever? So, Dude, we, it's so we bad. Wanted, we wanted to create something specific we only do 15 of these posters i usually send one to the agent one to the manager and then i give them to the band and their people the garth brooks one is special because he came through and he broke the record uh, a couple of years ago and uh you know over fifty-four thousand tickets sold five shows uh garth remembered you know i gave him a surfboard back in 1996 when he came and so to, mem- to memorialize this one we do the typical poster which if you look at them all they're vertical he gets the only horizontal one in the history of posters, and he gets a double wide. It's twice as big because he did that much business. That's so, so cool. It's, you, know, you know, it's funny you say that about promotional items. I was just at the Super Bowl last week, and um, people gave me promotional items, and I threw them all in the garbage before I even left Radio Row that day. Like, I felt like a dick, you know? It's like, I, I mean, people spent money on this stuff. You know, they actually, I mean, it costs money to buy promotional items. And, you know, you try and buy the best stuff you can, but it's true. You know, you give somebody a hat, you give somebody, dude, it's gone. In fact, Kyle Turley gave me a bag filled with like weed or something. I mean, it was some kind of like, uh, like so edible something, something, something that was going to get you high in some capacity. I don't, yeah, but yeah. he, he was, he was swearing that it changed his life right. and that, it, you know, he got him off all chemicals right. and, and that I needed to hand it to Billy Ray when I got back uh, to the radio station. He's like, this is going to help Billy Ray's life. Yeah. And, and, but it's promotional stuff and I, yeah. I hate to admit it, yeah. but there was a garbage can piled up of promotional stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's a waste of money. Well, it does that. And you got to think about what you're giving out and, and the content of it and how it means. Like, how about where you're giving it? And where you're giving it. So our typical deal is like we go back there. Yeah, I would say seven times out of ten, we're able to do a presentation with the band. Not always. With Garth, of course, it was awesome. Who, did, who can't you do a, it with? How about Guns N' Roses was here in your building recently? No, they didn't do it. They won't let you do it? No, they just, yeah, they didn't accept it. I mean, we gave it to them. 
I think they may have signed a couple too, but they just didn't want to do a picture and presentation. Who yeah. else won't do it? Well, the Killers just came through. They didn't do it. Uh, I'm not, I don't even think Tyler, the creator, did it. So I, I, I've just told you that we do seven out of ten, and I just came up like four blanks. So I better come <laughs> up with ten in a row that did it. Uh, the Who's in my office, they didn't do it. Neil Diamond's in my office, he didn't do it. Roger Waters didn't do it. So I got a lot of good ones. Manad did do it. Uh, I can give you a lot of. Why would these guys not the do it? Why, I, why, know, why do artists come to your building? They're in your dressing room. Yeah. They know you've run this building. You and your family have run this building forever, they know, and ever. but they don't necessarily know that. And they got they have handlers. They've got security, and we go ahead of time. This it's not like we don't just tell them the day of. I've got Christian marketing that's already working with. In this case, if it's Live Nation or AEG and their PR team, and saying, "Hey, we want to do this presentation. We got this really cool poster. We got." And at the end of the day, I don't push too hard. I'm not like. I need a picture with these artists like I need, I don't know, another surfboard. And I've right. got 22 surf, surfboards. So um, I just like to do it because it's a cool memory. That, and I like to give it to them because I came up with this concept in 2009. And literally, we have this one artist, Mel Marcello, that does all of them. We do 50 posters a year. And I have 15 of them produced locally with Paul Mobius and his crew. And... It's a cool thing. And I've had a lot of artists like Ricky Martin and Kelly Clarkson and James Taylor. That's another one out, out there that was cool. He's last summer, he did that. And he's like, this is one of the coolest things. See, that's cool. Any building's ever done for me. And he, he just, then he writes on there to the, you know, wonderful people at Valley View Casino Center. Thanks so much. Really enjoyed my say. Cause, but more times than not, when they don't, do the presentation i think it's just the handlers and the security that is it's just easier to say no there than but yes. that's just stupid i get it it's stupid listen for me i get it for me um i will call yourself or during the summertime i may call up to guys at del mar or at, at the belly up places where they have acts and i'll say hey can you help me get the artist on the show yeah i'd love to have them on the radio show yeah. and promote that they're in town it's kind of a cool sounding thing and these guys, for whatever reason, rarely ever do it. Yeah, Sammy same, Hagar, same concept. Sammy they have Hagar. handlers and they have PR people, and it's just easier to say no. They can't be bothered. In that case, you know, especially up in Del Mar, they're getting a flat fee of seventy-five grand or a hundred grand. So it's not even like the promoter that's really pushing it. It's you saying, "Hey, we we want to help you out. We want to have you on." And they're kind of going, "Yeah, we're kind of getting our seventy-five grand, a hundred grand." I, I, I don't really. Right, I'm not benefit make, from promoting right, additional I'm, tickets or right, whatever. That's, that's on Craig and those guys. Uh -huh. they, they would like to sell more tickets, so I may be benefiting them. And you're looking at it going, I'm not trying to benefit Craig. I just, hey, come on and talk to us about your brand. Talk to us about what you're doing. Right, so like if you're an artist who comes here to play, like for example, Pink. Yeah. Pink is coming here in at the end in, of March. End of May. End of May. Yeah. And I love Pink, you know? And her drummer has been on the radio show a few different times because he's written books and he's yeah. kind of an interesting guy. Yeah. And I feel like... Like I would love to have Pink on the radio. Let's work on that because I, you know, I know we know some people um, that that know her and that are friends with her. So I'm actually excited. I'm I'm fairly confident, not because I'm going through the tour at the end of the day. I'm confident because of friends that I know that will be backstage right, hanging her. with her, right? And they're gonna go. They got this really cool poster. She's gonna go. Hell yeah! Let's yeah. let's see it. Let's right. do it. And that's the problem. It's the handlers at the end of the day. And my deal with is. I could care less if I get a picture with it. I just like to present it to him and say, hey, thanks, by the way. You're part of 51 years of history. You're part of Led Zeppelin being here over six, seven times. You're part of, you know, Guns N' Roses. You're part of U2. You're part of the Stones and all of these shows that have come through. Hey, you're part of history. Right. And the people that get that when they get it, like, I've legitimately had artists go, I'm going to put this. I'm going to frame it and put my office in 
you know, Tennessee and Nashville in Miami. And that's what fills my tank of the day. And they look at it, they go, this is the coolest thing. And, you know, there's, I've got one out there that I'll never forget that's from Black Eyed Peas. And we promoted that show. It's the most money we ever made on one show ever. And back there, I was holding it up there. We're doing the presentation. And Will I Am looks at me and goes, who did this thing? And he said it just like that. Who did this poster? And they're all looking at me, pointing at me. I'm like, hey, Will I Am? I, I'm not sure how to <laughs> um, call you. Er, Mr. Me, Mr. Han? <laughs> Mr. I Am? I, I, I don't know. Will? Uh, and I'm like, okay, uh, I did. And he looks at it, and he goes, this is the coolest thing a building's ever done for us. And then Fergie jumps in. She goes, how come our marketing people can't do cool, like, ad mats and stuff like this for this? This should be our ad mat. We've got to talk to our peeps and do something cool. And when I hear that, that was a year after we'd started the poster program, that is just like, you know what? I may be a 51-year-old building. I got a great staff. I got great people I work with. And we can out-fucking-work anybody we want at the end of the day and work our ass off and have fun and make it fun. People are... People are coming to have a good time at events. We should all be having a good time. Be serious. It's about safety, about a great event. They've got a job. We got a job. But, I, you know, I think I was telling you this the other day. If I got 80 years to live, 29,200 days, and I break it down to days because every day we want to have a great experience, and you always, you and I always have a great time. We're hanging together. That day that Black Eyed Peas comes through, I'm going to give my best effort. I'm going to show them something, and then we go on to the next day. But I'm going to leave it all out there and, and make it a great time. I know. I was at that Black IP show. I love that show. I get Fergalicious, just so you know. Yeah. Well, she's pretty delicious. Yes. Right. She is insane. I love her. I think she's a great performer. I really she, do. I do remember this. And she smelled really good. I think really? I can say that, right? Of course if, you can say, she, say anything she, you want. If she, if she smells good, she smelled great. See, this is the thing. I want to just make this clear to everybody who's tuning in. And, and, and the reason I say it like that is because, Ernie, I have already found, I was telling you this earlier, that... You know, last year we did over a million podcast downloads of just the radio show. Okay, that's a lot, right, uh, for a local sports radio show. I put out the fact that I'm doing my own solo podcast now, and all of a sudden I got friends from the East Coast that are finding this on Twitter and Facebook and going, Cap, I'm loving your new podcast. And I'm going, where were you with the million downloads last year of the radio show? Right. This is not new. Right. But the reason I'm mentioning all this is because I, need, I want to put it on the table, cards on the table, that you and I... This is a nice interview. We're going to talk about a few fun things, yeah. but we got a good. Re we're we're this is a close relationship. We've been on fair. We've been yeah. on radio, and we do fun things. And you brought in your family to a lot of cool events. But at the end of the day, you're one of my favorite peeps. I love hanging with you. We've had some great experiences together. We've had very special experiences because of a good friend of ours, Jeff Jacobs, and we're on a lot of those great trips that we that we hang out and do it. But uh, it's always a good time with you. And you and I, ha you and I have the same kind of philosophy towards life. That's why it's easy. So I wanted to put that out there for everybody. Yeah. So because if people all of a sudden go, damn, Ernie is really loose. It's because Ernie's feeling comfortable. He might be sitting in his office yeah. with a microphone in front of his face, but he's feeling good. Well, I like this stuff, too. You know, we talked about this when I've been on the radio. I mean, I just I love people. I like talking to people. I like talking the story. And I'm passionate about the 26 years I've been here at the arena. So it's easy to talk about all of these acts, all of these events, hockey leagues, teams, because this, you know, be like me talking to you about radio. How many years have you been doing radio now? Yeah, 20 plus. Yeah, I know. So, well, long the, time. Here's the thing. I, I just got back from Minneapolis, you know, and uh, I'm at the Super Bowl, and I loved it. Uh, you know, people say, you know, it should be in warm weather places. You know, if, if you're going to spend the kind of money to go to the Super Bowl, stay in hotels, you know, get gouged by Ubers, et cetera, it shouldn't necessarily be in a cold weather environment. Right. I say bullshit, man. I thought 
Minneapolis was amazing. If I were Seattle, if I were Pittsburgh, if I were Philadelphia, if I were anywhere where there's a brand new stadium, regardless of, of whether there's a roof over it or not, I would be saying to the NFL, we built a new stadium. Our city wants a Super Bowl. And it, it makes me think when I get back to San Diego that we're not going to have another Super Bowl. I, I mean, unless some rule changes for some reason, there's not going to be another Super Bowl here. And it's hard to believe because um, when we had the All-Star game, the Major League Baseball All-Star game here last summer, it was awesome. And people left here going, wow, San Diego's incredible. And the people that had been here before said, of course, we knew. It's the best. It's, it's just it's hard to believe that we're not going to have an event like that here anymore. And it, it, it sort of leaves open. This is what I want to really ask you. It leaves open an opportunity, I think, for a guy like yourself. Obviously, the people who who jumped on this thing, Soccer City, Steve Altman and Mike Stone and those guys, they jumped on what they saw as an opportunity there. San Diego State now thinks there's an opportunity, right? There is an opportunity in this town for a or more than a facility. And there's an opportunity in this town for a or even more than a for more professional sports teams, I think. Yeah. And I know people bug you and I say bug you. They, they come to you to talk about this kind of stuff. What do you think, man? I, I mean, I think there is. Uh, it's, uh, you know, big boy and big girl discussions here i mean it's you know a, a new arena is 500 million dollars now right and and when we started talking about this in the early 90s and we got within about 20 million dollars of getting that building built essentially what's on the tailgate park today well before they even started talking about padres in downtown ballpark um i think it was about 150 million dollar building back then so you know the, the Part of the problem is you're not going to get any subsidy from any of the cities in California at this I'm most, fine with yeah. that at this point. You know what? So, so I'm fine with that. I, 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 I'm I, fine with it too, but in the end, so in the end, you got to figure out if you're going to build these facilities, yeah. you've got to figure out how are you getting the land, how are you getting this built, and you're going to need deep pockets. And so if you can get the right guy or gal that has those deep pockets that feels an affinity for their community and to do something great – then it can absolutely happen. If it doesn't, it's a tough thing to pencil. You just can't. These arenas don't pencil like that in the end. When you've got to put $500 million into them, you better either have, either have additional development or resources to make them work because at the end of the day, you know, there's only so many shows, there's only so many events, there's only so many tenants, and running these buildings can be expensive at time. And so that's kind of the sweet spot that we're in right now. We've got an older building that was built for $5.6 million back in 1966. We've probably put $20 million into it over the last 20 years or 15 years. And it's still an older building, but it's got some character. It's got a you know $500,000 new sound system now. It's got a million-dollar scoreboard. It's got uh, $350,000 LED lights. So... The beauty is technology is cotton up and it's and it's lighting up these buildings to get a new building done, which I get excited thinking about and whether it's the NBA or NHL that could come to town. You're just going to have to have deep pockets to make it work. But the reason I, I've even been thinking about this is because, again, I come back from Minneapolis and I'm thinking to myself, it's freaking snowing, dude. And it was minus 20. I mean, it was cold. It was so fucking cold up there. I'm still freezing and I'm not bullshitting. You. I'm serious. I'm freezing like I, I know it's not cold outside. I'm freezing. I'm Goodbye. still thawing out from <laughs> Minneapolis for the last week. I'm, I'm telling you a true story. So when I think about it, if, if, if the NFL is gone from this town, you know, if, if we're really done with the NFL in this town, I wonder 
you know, an NBA All-Star game, an NHL All-Star game. I mean, these kinds of events. I mean, I just look at Tampa just recently had the NBA All-Star game or the NHL All-Star yeah. game. Tampa. And, and Staples has the NBA one coming up is what they have. So I'm saying that major sports, if major sports are ever going to be a priority in this town, if, if major league sports are ever going to be a priority in this town, would we be better served to put our time and energy and resources into a building, an arena downtown, that could work with apparently the need for more convention space? I mean, isn't the arena the better investment especially given the circumstances that now the NFL has, has bailed on San Diego. Well, yeah, it's, it's not even close. It is the better investment. I mean, the, uh, a new, even a new stadium, if you maximize it's maybe, you know, like Jerry's doing it, maybe it does 40, 45 events a year. I mean, that would be a lot of events. And I'm not talking the boat show that doesn't produce any money where you bring in, you know, 150 freaking boats. Are you talking about like boxing matches yeah, like, and like, bowl but, games, but, but, preseason it, college football games? Yeah, so – there's a couple of those. Let's just say that number was 30 big events. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this new building down in the arena is going to do 30-plus nights just with convention business and is going to do over 200 nights a year. You know, Staples Center does 250 nights a year. Um, so even if it's just doing 200, it tells you what it does. And so it also has the ability to bring one of those franchises in or both over time. You never really know because if you don't build it, you've got a hundred percent chance of not getting it. But if you do build it, when I look at cities like Nashville, when I look at cities like, you know, Vegas now, and I think those are two good examples because I think they're similar markets in a lot of ways. Um, They don't have NBA, but they have NHL. Uh, We have a hockey team here in town that, you know, averages over 9,000 people a game for minor league hockey. And it's great hockey. I mean, it's the Ducks affiliate team and all that, and they do a great I mean, job. I mean, it's AAA. It's quality it's stuff. It's really good. But but I'll look at a city like Kansas City, for yeah. example, right? They built a big arena, a, yeah. a beautiful new arena, when they had an old arena. They had Kemper yeah. Arena, yeah. which was very similar to this, the Valley View Casino Center. Yeah. And then they decided to build a new arena in anticipation of getting another pro team, NBA or NHL. It didn't happen. What I'm saying is, is that whether we ever get an NHL or an NBA well, that's team, just is, is, it's ridiculous. It doesn't even matter. It's, it's, it's immaterial right now because if there is this great need in this city for more convention space, then why not combine convention space with an arena? Listen, that was sort of conceptually what the Chargers were trying to say, whether yeah. you bought their, their act or not. Yeah, but it was under a convenium, and it was, yeah. I mean, the arena really, going back when Dick Murphy was mayor, we used to say, they kept talking about this third phase of the convention center. We said the arena really is that third phase of the convention center incorporated with that actual, you know, space in that box. And in the end, um, you're right. Kansas City is a great example. Another very similar market to San Diego um, that had, you know, had a baseball team, you know, has a baseball team, has a football team. We had a football team. We obviously, you know, lost that. And we have a, you know, a baseball team now that, uh, it's been struggling, but hopefully they're back on their way back. But the reality is that building is one of the most successful buildings in the AEG network based on how it was situated. And they'll do 50 to 55 concerts a year because it's one of the newer buildings. So even if you didn't get that content that we're talking about, NBA or NHL, if you could find a way to get it done, you're going to do 180 to 190, 200 events. We would do, and we do about 30 to 35 concerts a year. I can just tell you right now, we would do 55 to 60 concerts a year. And that's that's the most profitable line item in there. But why why do you think you've been in this city forever? Your family 
is one of the, the legendary name families of this town. And your grandfather essentially built Horton Plaza, yeah. downtown San Diego. For those of you that don't live in San Diego, don't know San Diego, again, a lot of East Coasters now found this podcast because of Twitter and Facebook. Um, Ernie's grandfather is you know, an icon in this town. I mean, he helped build downtown San Diego and, and I guess on some level helped build this arena, I guess, right? Yeah, I like, wasn't so much involved with the arena, but you know, when he sold his company back in 1982 to uh, Trizac, and it became the Trizac Han Company, he was the largest shopping center developer in the United States, and he was kind of the, the grandfather of the common mall that you know it. So uh, in most of these markets, if somebody has a mall that they've had for a long time that was kind of spearheaded development in their city, there's a good chance it was probably my grandpa's mall at the time. And, I just mentioned you know, it only because so. because you go back in this town, you've got a lot of political connections yeah. in this town. I mean, now all of a sudden I'm hearing about um, another referendum in town to uh, to again increase the hotel tax to help build a convention center and I'm I'm a little nauseated now just by the way I haven't really dug into it I'm just watching on the periphery I mean it's out of the corner of my eye on a TV and they they're parading these homeless folks around we're going to get all these signatures we're going to increase hotel taxes we're going to build a new convention center and guess who the beneficiaries are these homeless people and I'm thinking to myself yeah, kind of. It's it's a smart political move to try and put these. It, it's kind of like Budweiser during the Super Bowl. Did you see the ad that Budweiser had about um, natural disasters, hurricanes, and things? And the guy wakes it, up no. in the middle of the night, right? And he goes to the Budweiser plant, and instead of filling the cans with beer, he fills the cans with water, and he actually it says water on the can. And then they send the water to the to the the, the disaster relief areas. And it's like if you're Budweiser and you do that shit, fucking advertise it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Kia, no, 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 Hyundai. Hyundai said um, during the during the Super Bowl, when you buy a Hyundai, some of the proceeds go to this cancer research children's thing, whatever. Right. People are like, are they using kids with cancer to sell cars? And the answer is, yes, they are. That is correct. They are telling you that when you buy their brand, some of the money that you pay goes to this. They're letting you know about their philanthropy. I'm just, just wondering... <laughs> and, uh, uh, as I've now just gone off on a complete tangent, no, where just, were we? <laughs> no, yeah. I think that in the end, um, like I said, it just, I think there'd be a willingness, but in the end, when you have no subsidy coming from the city to build that arena, you need to find and have the ability, maybe it's a certain amount of land that could be given or purchased at a certain rate that would allow enough development to underwrite you know on those profits over time for somebody to put 500 million dollars into that building let me ask are are we are we as the public being duped or attempting is is are the people that are now pushing for the convention center expansion these are by the way these are the exact same people right that opposed the stadium concept. Probably the hoteliers and everything. It is. Else, well, I right? mean, like, yeah. for example, I'll give you yeah. an example. I was watching, uh, again, at Corner of My Eye, and I saw they had this, this homeless person again. They're like, they're parading these homeless people in front of us to, to make us feel bad. Like, oh, that's what we should do. We should increase the hotel taxes so that the hoteliers get their convention center and these homeless people get all this money directed their way. And that's, that's the message. And so what I think to myself is you're using these homeless people to tug at my sh- my heart yeah. but when in actuality i see you joe terzy standing right there the guy who runs tourism in town yeah. and i see some of these other characters who i saw who were so anti charger and so anti stadium and 
they were mostly anti-increasing the hotel tax because they said people won't come to San Diego as often because our hotels will be will, will cost too much. Well, now they're getting their cake and they're eating it too. They've pushed the chargers out of town, which means there's no threat of a hotel tax being taken from them and given to a stadium. And now they can get what they wanted, which was let's raise our hotel taxes. Let's build a convention center. Let's fill the convention center with more people that are going to come and stay in our hotels. And we're all going to make a whole lot of money. And guess what? We're such good guys that we're helping the homeless people. Yeah. So I, I think part of that, and I haven't seen the initiative and all of that. And, Nor have and, I. And, and I'm sure there's a, there's a fair amount or money part of that. I've always said a lot of the cities that I think have done it well take something of that nature and they do kind of a quality of life bond that they go out for referendum and they don't try to do a million or a billion or you know it's like two and a half three billion dollars and there's infrastructure issues there's sewer issues there's homeless issues there's a convention center issue there's an arena issue and at the end of the day whether it's a billion dollars or four billion dollars if I got to count to 50% at the end of the day, I want to have enough things that are in my repertoire to get 50%. Everybody might not like the homeless situation, what's going on, or vote for it, or a convention center, or, you know, an arena, or something. But, but somebody's going to fit into that scope of that $4 billion opportunity and say, well, I love, I'd love the fact that maybe we get an NBA team or a new arena. Or the convention center. Or I love the fact that we're giving money towards the homeless and, and, and that. You want to connect, just like you said, they're trying to connect with the people that are going, we have a homeless problem. If I'm pulling that initiative, I'm making it a really big initiative. And I'm trying to pull from somebody everywhere that says, well, I'd love to have a new arena. I'd love the convention center. Or maybe I don't want the convention center, this, that. But I really want a new arena at some point. It's got to be big enough for everybody and infrastructure so that we don't keep piecemealing these things together. Because once you do one of these things, it's really hard to go back and get it again. Right. I, I see what you're saying. Think big. Yeah, think I mean, big. I think so, too. I mean, that, that's that's one of our, our issues here in this town. And again, you, your family goes way back. You've been involved. Dude, it, it's really frustrating. It really is to, to think what's happened here. Even just yeah. look, for, take the charger thing away. It's over. OK, but to think about what was happening. That, that the mayor and his guys were, were negotiating from a position of assumption that the Chargers were leaving, only for all of us to find out that some very smart people, Mike Stone, Steve Altman, Peter Seidler, et cetera, et cetera, they were in the mayor's ear going, hey, if they leave, we've got this soccer concept, which then turns into the mayor was behind everybody's back letting the Chargers go because he knew he had this savior of the soccer project. I mean, everything has turned into a disaster it, because now, now, when the soccer project at the time kind of sounded good, I mean, right at the time when it, when it was like, we need something. Well, yeah, as then, soon as the team leaves, it sounds real good. Right, and then San Diego State comes in and goes, oh, no, 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 hold on a second. That's our land. That's our piece of the pie. My guess is, Knowing what I know about San Diego being here 17 plus years and watching what happens on this political scene, dude, I don't think anything will ever get done because it's because <laughs> who do you really who do you look at in city government at any level, mayor, city council people, et cetera, et cetera, that you really have confidence in? And I, I personally don't find any of them. Well, I, I, would vote, I would vote against anything that this city council asks me, anything that the hoteliers ask me, anything 
from anybody that was pushing the Chargers out of town, I will vote against all of it all the time. And what blows my mind is, is all this Soccer City argumentation. I'm, I've tried to stay a little clear of it. Right. But the guys that are involved from the San Diego State side of things, I don't know them from a can of paint, dude. I swear to you. I don't know Fred Pierce, and I don't right. know the other guy. What's the other guy's name? I'll, I'll Jack McGroy. Jack McGroy. Yeah. I don't know these guys. I know who they were based on media reports from 20 years ago and how both of those guys were involved in the pension crisis here in town, how both of those guys were involved in the ticket guarantee here in town. Here's my point. It's not Jack McGorry or Fred Pierce. It's not Steve Altman or, or, or Mike Stone. It's not the mayor. It's not any of the secret. All, no, nobody gets anything done here. Yeah, I think you got to... Man, it's, it, it, it's a defeatist-sounding attitude. No, but, Sorry but, to but, have it. but it's really... It's it's true in a lot of ways. And uh, going back to your last comment, uh, you mentioned in the mayor and his staff. And I'll, I'll give you I got two people there that I that came to my mind right now. And they both came from kind of public and private companies just within the last year over to his staff that they recruited. Chris Michelle, who came from the downtown partnership mm -hmm. and now is the COO there. Mm -hmm. And Amy Fawcett that came from the chamber and is now his, you know, uh, you know, chief of staff. Mm -hmm. Man, they're good. They're really good. I hope you're right. Oh, no, they're great. I, I've dealt with them. And, and they're already well, they, he needs they're good busting people. a lot of he heads need, behind the scenes. He needs good people I, around I, him. He, he does. Because honestly, and he's made a mess of this whole I'm town. I'm just telling you, he got two really good ones. And, and these women really get shit done. And so uh, I've been impressed. I'm a big, big fan of both of them over the last five and six years watching their career. The fact that they're with the city gives me hope. Here's the problem that I have. I, I'll just give you my take on the whole soccer city and whether they were talking before. Uh, we know a lot of people that are involved with, I do, with both sides of these I things. I just want to say this. Yeah. I said this on the radio from the very beginning. I know Steve Altman. I've known Steve Altman for many years. Yeah. I'm not saying we're best friends, but I'm going to say that we're more than acquaintances, certainly. Yeah, of course. And I'm going to say that, that Steve Altman is as honest a guy as I know. And Mike Stone, who I've known for several years, again, not real, real close, but well enough to tell you that Mike Stone is... You don't become a billionaire unless you're so freaking brilliant. And people that I consider to be super smart business people, they all look up to Mike Stone as being so super brilliant yeah. in business. So I think these guys have unfortunately taken a bad rap mostly because, and I think they would agree, they were naive to the political process. They thought they were doing something good. Hey, we're, we're rich guys. We're going to do something great for the city. We're going to do something great for San Diego State. It comes at the perfect time. Um, yeah, we're business guys. I mean, it sounded at the time like their heart was in the right place. They have been raked over the coals in the media because the other side has played a lot of politics. Yeah, I think I think where they whether or not their project is right is immaterial. Yeah, I I'm think I, I think where probably they would look at it, you know, they went through the process where they could go, you know, past Sequa and all that kind of stuff, which always raises some flags. By the way, great concept to do. It came in fresh as the wound was fresh as the as the Chargers just left, and, and it seemed opportune at that point. So people are going to look at that. Really smart guys, by the way. Um, at the same time, where that thing went sideways is, and you know this better because you're a huge supporter, and we have friends, and and Steve himself, a huge supporter. Um, when it went sideways with San Diego State, when they couldn't agree on the size of that building and everything else, and and everybody, you know, from them saying, no, it's big enough for them, and they're saying it's not big enough for us, that's really where I saw the thing go sideways. To me, I'm thinking again, big picture. If I'm trying to sell this project, whether I'm San Diego State or I'm Mike and their group, bigger and better, meaning MLS is a good thing. 
football for San Diego State is a good thing. How do you get them both on the same page? And by the way, NFL football, awesome thing. Is that a possibility? And so I've always said, whether it was converting the existing building there and trying to go up, which people said you couldn't do, or it's $700 million, whatever the concept is, whatever plan I'd be wanting to put, I'd want to be selling that vision so that if I'm voting on this thing at the end of the day, do I like MLS? Yes. Do I like San Diego State football? Yes. Can I have a facility that does both, that everybody's happy with size, shape, and scope? Well, we're going to find out in both referendums, right? Does one of these have an option to bring NFL back? And so at least what I've initially seen is that there's like a phase one and a phase two of the San Diego State where it's a 35,000-seat building, and phase two could add another 30,000 seats right on top of it if the NFL was interested. I don't care whether it's Mike and his group, whether it's San Diego State or somebody else. As a San Diegan, I'm heartsick that the NFL is gone. Anything that gave me hope or as an option or the ability to have that, to me, is smart. And, and just to ignore it and say that it just won't ever happen and then, oh, that'll happen in 10 years from now and they'll find some other land and somebody will build a $2 billion stadium, I think that's a real pipe dream. So I just want to look at something that gives us the opportunity to move forward. And at the end of the day, you're right. I just want traction. I want people to move forward with a project. When you look at a new arena, it's 190 to 200 events a year. It's more if you get an NBA or NHL team. I mean, you look at all of these cities that have had two arenas just since I've been, we've been talking about this in 20-plus years. Tell me all about They're it. They're tearing them down. I mean, Atlanta had got a new stadium prior to us even talking about the new arena. They've torn that one down, and they got a brand new stadium. I remember being in so Miami when, when, they, when they brought in the Miami Heat, and they had a new arena in downtown, and I swear to you, in under 10 years, they were like, this arena sucks. Let's build yeah. a new one. So I, all I can tell you is California is difficult. San Diego is extremely difficult. And at the end of the day, we need, seriously, somebody within our community that's killed it and done really well that's willing to say, you know what? I'll put up the $500 million for that building. You know what? I'll spend a billion or I'll get a group together that spends a couple billion dollars on a franchise. I'm going to get some development rights around it that's going to help subsidize it over time. On my not dime and nickel, I'll spend it. But you're going to have to have somebody that's probably worth, you know, five, seven, fifteen billion dollars. So what about the notion of this this guy, Joseph Sai? I don't know if you've met him yet. I haven't met him yet. Yeah, I have. Um, he's going to put a, a new lacrosse team in your your building. Yep, it's and, starting starting in November. The it, the seals. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, people who like lacrosse like the National Lacrosse League, and um, you know these the league has, I'll call it underground, under the radar, only my own radar because we haven't had a team here. Right. So I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, maybe the team comes here, maybe they generate some excitement, maybe they put some people in, into the building, but. If this guy, Joseph Sai, I hope I'm saying his name right, yeah. is the guy who, is he the creator or the CEO of Alibaba? Yeah, he's one of the co-founders of okay. Alibaba. Yeah, so, num- so, number two guy, right, him so and Jack Ma. I don't know what he's worth, but I'm going to take a guess. He's probably worth $10 billion. I mean, I can yeah. I can look it up yeah. real quick. Um, but he he's the guy who's putting a minor league, take that for what it's worth, a minor league sport into your building. So is he a guy? I mean, should we all be thinking... That he's the guy, you just described somebody ultra wealthy who has a great passion for the community, who has a passion for sports, et cetera, who's willing to do it on his own. Does this guy meet the criteria? Uh, you know, from what I, you know. From what I know, and I've met him a couple of times, um, 
yeah, he's that guy. If that's something, I mean, he's changing the world with Alibaba and all that stuff. Which, by the way, I'm not even really sure I know what they do. Do you? Yeah, it's kind of like the Chinese Google, I've if you that. will, okay. on a lot of things. All right, I'll but just go with that. But that's about as deep as I'll, I can go. I'll go with that. If you, if you want me to go next layer, I'd go Chinese Google again. And I'd say it again. <laughs> say it, And then I'd say it a third time. Okay. Um, extremely smart man, team, great group of people around him. When I say changing the world, I really mean that. These are people that have the ability to change the world with not only their money, but their smarts. Uh, you know, from what I've, I've talked to Joe and Steve Govett, who works for him, who's running the lacrosse yeah. team, you know, uh, the homeless situations, you know, a big deal to him, too, when he sees that kind of stuff. So when you ask me, is this guy fits the criteria? 100%. Uh, and if there was a deal down the line um, that made sense, I don't think there's anybody better in the world to pull that off. That's going to be something over time that he'll figure out and have to know. And is it worth his time and effort and capital to do that? And if it comes up that it is, I don't think there's a better person in the world to do it. I don't think there's a better person in the world that could put those resources together with a couple of calls. And he has the capital and the wherewithal to do it. And so if you're asking me, do I get excited about somebody like that? I do because I, I don't think there's anybody else that I've seen or met or been around in the last 26 years that one can write that check and have the passion. And you need to be really be able to do that. If you're just taking a straight return on investment look at it, and here's what it does, here's what the development does, here's what it does with an arena, I'm pretty sure if he just kept all of his money in Alibaba and all that stuff and kept going, he makes a lot more money that way. But at some point, you know, throw the billion dollar number, how much money do you really need to have and what's your legacy and what's the opportunity that you have to make change? And yeah, so I get super excited about stuff like that. That's what I heard Mike Stone saying when Mike Stone was talking about Soccer City. Legacy, make a change, do a great thing for the city, not asking for any public subsidy of any kind. And again, I'm going to tell you, Ernie, I don't know the Soccer City plan. I mean, I swear to you, I haven't read it because I was so tired of stadium talk yeah. that I gave up on it. And I don't even know the San Diego State plan other than, hey, we need the land, but we don't need it now. We need it later. Right. All I, I'm with you a thousand percent. Can we just move the ball forward a little bit? When I come back from Minneapolis and I see this piece of art that they have built that hosted a Super Bowl, this incredible stadium, to know that they have this beautiful baseball park that they're adding to, to know that they have a great hockey arena, for the hockey team, which is you know over in St. Paul, and then a different one. And this is in, Timberwolves. This is in Minnesota. It's Minnesota, Minneapolis. It's in Minnesota, and it's fucking minus twenty out. Yeah, and people love it, and, and people they, love living there. We got the best weather on the planet, and we we rely on that too much. We, we do absolutely rely we on do. that. Too hey, much. it didn't work out. I'll go surfing. Hey, it didn't work out. I'll take a run or whatever. And so, I get what you're saying, and yeah, it frustrates me. I look at it a little differently when I look at Mike Stone and his project. I look at the San Diego State people and all of that. And I even look at Joe Sy and what the opportunities are. I think one of the things that you and I are best at in life is being connectors of people. We're both really good at it. And we love doing it. We love putting great people together. And I'm tired of the infighting. I'm tired of... A lot of the stuff that's happened, I remember, you know, I forget going back years ago, you were you know, at one of the town hall meetings or whatever, you were getting people together with your show and all of that, which I would you know, text you and go, hey, this is awesome. You're using your political capital to bring people on the show to talk about it and try to get a solution. 
I got no dog in the fight. How do we get the dogs that are in the fight that are fighting to come to Jesus and, and lick li- each other's it, balls? Whatever. Yeah. I have a like dogs. So you've got people like Mike Stone. You got people like Ted Wade. You got the Jacobs. You got a lot of people in town. That Joseph Sy. Joseph that have the wherewithal. Ron Fowler's a player in this town. Huge. And the Seidler is not. Peter Seidler so, for sure. So, to my deal is, right, they never have to work another day the rest of their life. Their kids, their grandkids are taken care of. So it's a legacy project at this point. My thought is, how do you get the best and the brightest and the smartest together? And I'll just say now, I'll bring it back to the arena side. And how do you put this dream team together of people that have the resources to promote, that have the capital, which isn't a problem? And how do you just do a kick-ass project that's going to do 200 nights a year, that's probably going to bring in either NHL or NBA or both over time? You never know, because when you have the building, opportunities come up. You don't have the opportunities. I mean, you got, you know, you got, you know, hockey league teams like Phoenix, which are in the Western Conference that have struggled for years. You know, they're not too far away. Losing their building. You got a bunch of buildings that are over, that have some NBA teams that have struggled over time. And this is a pretty great freaking city. And um, so I'm bullish on it over time. The biggest problem, if we could just get to the point where we can get it built and get through that fighting and get caucus the support, I think the cool thing, if you're listening to this and you're from San Diego or if you're from somewhere else listening to it, what it would do for this community and this city, I think would be incredible. I think people would go berserko on it. They've never seen anything like that. They haven't had a chance. You know, you even saw it with a crappy team for years now, and people are still going down to Petco because it's Petco. A concert goes on there, and it's the Eagles and Zach Brown, and it sells out right away, and it's Petco. You know, newsflash, concerts at stadiums suck. You can't see shit at any of them. You're better off just literally going home, putting the Hell Freezes Over tour on DVD and getting some pickup sticks. I mean, and go to sleep at nine and get a good night's sleep and get up and run or surf or whatever you're going to do. Way better experience. But people want to congregate in their community together. They want to break bread. They want to have a beer. They want to hang out. They want to do it with nice amenities. And so I can only tell you, we've talked soccer stadiums and all that stuff. There's nothing better to get built than a new arena because it brings you three, five, seven, ten times the number of events, depending on what facility you want to talk about. Talk about hotel nights. It's not like every fourth Sunday during a specific time of year. It's all the time. Oh, here's 10,000 people for a hockey game. Here's 15,000 people for Lady Gaga. Here's now, you know, uh, whatever event you want to talk about that it has you know ringling brothers it's 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 disney and ice it's cirque it's whatever it is we you know we're doing 130 events in this building that is 51 years old with the relationships we've had over time going against another arena across the way at san diego state that has an exclusive with live nation going against an amphitheater down south that's literally right next to the border that live nation owns you know, newsflash, people don't understand about Live Nation. Live Nation is the juggernaut in the industry in the world. It, there's first and there's a distant second. And AEG Live is the distant second. And that's not to say we're not doing a lot in Golden Voice and all that with AEG. Live Nation runs content in the world when it comes to live concerts. And so I'm always fighting that. They do an exclusive over there because I'm involved with AEG here. They're kind of butt heads. I'm like, hey... 
we're part of a building. We're partners with AEG. I just want to fucking do shows. Yeah. I, I can share whatever you want to do. And so the good news is we find ways to do that or we work our ass off. So last year in the old diamond, you know, we just had uh, the killers that came through. Those were both live nation shows. Shakira and pink are both live nation shows. And there's more that are coming through. I'd love to do 10 shows a year with live nation. It's very difficult. And so I'm fighting all the time. I don't, and I've, and I've told them recently, I don't want to fight anymore. I just want to do shows. <laughs> Let's come up with a concept on how that works. But that's what we should be doing in San Diego. And we, cut the we crap, need to be coming get together. Get everybody together. And stop fighting take, about this take stuff. Joseph's take your side. piece, get yeah. your group, and come together. And let's have an action plan to put the best and the brightest together. And by the way, put your fucking finger on the fact that you're creating the legacy for the next 50 years of sports entertainment. You know, the arena was state-of-the-art back in 1966 when it was built. So was Qualcomm Stadium. So was the Civic Theater, right? They're now 50-plus years old. It happens. The I-5 was brand new at the time. We've already expanded that mofo 12 times, mm -hmm. and there's still construction going on it, right? That's that's now like one of the biggest and widest. Inter I think it's like 42 lanes or whatever it is. I know it's not 42. It's crazy, though. Let's go 24 saying, lanes all the time. We've, 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 we've expanded all the improvements. So back in you know that same time, the, you know, the I-5 was state-of-the-art. We've updated that. These facilities have not been updated. There's only so much we can do, and we can still give you a great experience in this building, putting the time, energy, and money, but I'm just telling you, as good as and much as I love this building, and, and I tell you, I put it up against any current building in San Diego for a great time and, a, and our staffing and our experience, but it is next level when you get in these new buildings. When you went in in minus 20 degrees and you went in and saw this new stadium, and you were freezing your ass off outside, you went inside and you probably just kind of looked up, your mouth kind of opened up and said, fuck, Dude, I wish we had everyone, this. Everyone, Seattle, oh, Pittsburgh, I wish uh, we had this. I mean, Dallas, you name it, every city I go to, I'm like, I wish we had this. I wish I, we and had I wish, this. I, because you know, the future of San Diego, with the way the project is being worked on in downtown at Seaport Village, what's going to happen down there, what's eventually going to happen with the civic, you know, with a, uh, uh, the convention center, what, all these things are going to happen, hopefully. I mean, certainly we know that, that the, the Seaport Village thing is going to happen because yep. there's real people behind that. Yeah. But um, just to finish up, yeah. just because just you've given a lot of great opinions today, I, I want to ask you this. You mentioned how heartbroken you are about the Chargers, and we're a year plus removed. And again, we're already moving on to other things. Uh, I'm curious to know what you thought last week when you heard that John and A.G. Spanos were making their rounds on Radio Row. I listened to it. And and using a station employee and a team employee to push their, you know, their whole notion of wanting to fix the relationship. First of all, they asked Nick Hardwick, who works for the team, who badmouthed them up and down, and then decided to crawl back because he that's his life and that's yeah. football and that's his team. You and get it. frankly, I understand Nick's dilemma, and I also understand his emotions at the time. But to use Nick, which statistically I can show you the ratings, they're not strong right. for that station. By the way, I'm not telling you that we're number one in the market either. I mean, right. doing sports radio in San Diego, what the Associated Press called the worst sports town in America. This is not Boston. This is not Philadelphia. By the way, this isn't even Minneapolis, where the sports radio stations are the number one and two stations in the town. So I'm just, I'm I, just saying that, that to use Nick Hardwick... And then where I was really insulted was they called Marty Caswell from our station. 
a guy she's never spoken to before called her and, and made it seem as though, hey, we know you're a fan. We know you're a friend. We know you're not as angry as the, the idiot in the afternoon. <laughs> you know, maybe you could do us a favor here. And she got into him a little bit. She got into him a little. But to set ground rules, either you're trying to get back into the community or you're not. I mean, why did they not last year have Ladanian Tomlinson come down here and celebrate his Hall of Fame induction? That's stupid. Yeah, we talked about that. We why, were actually why we they, offered up the building for that. Right, Remember, we why, talked right, about that. Why, why did they not continue to be the sponsor of the Blood Drive? It's on a Tuesday, and bring some players down and say, "Hey, this is still the Charger Blood Drive." They're they're such liars, and they think that we are so stupid. And we all saw how bad their season went, not just with their their yeah. record. But with the fact that half the stadium was filled with the opposing ta- team's fans, and on the good days, uh, and, there, right, and there's twenty five thousand people in the stadium, yeah. they're crawling on their hands and knees essentially back to San Diego, saying, "We're really sorry. We just up and left." But me and me and my brother here, we're from down here. Come on, and to yeah. not be willing to answer tough questions. Yeah, or, I, I heard that interview, and um, that gets me fired up. I'll man. give you. I'll give pissed. you. Uh, you know. Judson, I thought, asked. He, he got on him a couple times. I did hear a couple. I don't know him at all. I, yeah. I never hear their show. I don't yeah, yeah. Show. So I actually heard that interview. And and he asked, they said, well, you know, we want to get back in the market. We want to engage it. You know, And he said, well, do you feel like there's things you could have done differently at the time? Well, we don't really want to look back and, you know, all the standard yeah, sa- standard issues. But Justin asked him a good question. He goes, so tell me some of the initiatives then. You're talking about getting back in San Diego. Tell us. Tell us some of the thoughts. Like, how are you going to do it? How are you going to engage it? And I think it was AG that basically said, you know, it's a good question. You know, it's one we think about all the time. Uh, and we're just kind of, kind of, we're waiting to hear from people and, and, you know, see where that takes us and understand ultimately, you know, what people say to us that we can, you know, process. And I, I, how unprepared I, I, it was, must you be? I'm just telling you. It was but so, how unprepared are you? Like, I, I'm just it, telling it's you. It's a good question. It was a good question. And was, by the way, there tough, was no tough position for that kid to be in because you know that Hardwick is there just to, to push the company line. The kid does a good job, according to you. I didn't hear it. And then, and then for them to be so unprepared to not say, okay, here, look, I'll give you an example. We want to we want to do the blood drive. Right, we want to bring the blood. Drive. Here's we're, our deal. They kept saying no. We're still really involved in the community. They're not, That's and we're bullshit. really involved with the homeless situation. In fact, That's we bullshit. still cut checks and so, but they weren't specific cut about checks, it. Checks, nothing. And, and my point in the end is just like when you look at it, it's like if somebody asks me that question, and I'm truly, sincerely trying to get back in this market, I would think that I would know of two, three, or four initiatives right away that I'm currently working on. Because if I can't come up with one there at the time it leads me to believe that there really aren't initiatives and it's a lot of lip service at the end of the day because if I was on initiatives and three or four things and I'm running the franchise, I would certainly know two or three of them that are active and happening right now. And there wasn't one that was really mentioned. It's like, no, we're, you know, we're still listening. We're paying attention to what people are saying and just to know we care about it. And I, I just couldn't, I didn't, I, that was what I was thinking when I was driving. I'm like, Man, guys, you got you just got to have a better answer than that. You, this is a major league football team, the biggest league in the world, and you're running a franchise that you took out of this market. You got to be prepared for this stuff. And this is this is, I mean, especially if you're going to essentially write the script. Don't ask about this. Don't ask about this. Don't ask about this. Okay, so now we're yeah. going to ask about A, yeah. B, and C. So what are they your asked plans? them? Like, what are you, what are your plans? And like, how are you trying to? I mean, obviously it was fed in San Diego. What are you going to? What are you doing? How are you engaging? Well, I, th- I would think if there's two or three questions that you can ask me, I'm hoping you got an answer for it. Nothing. Amazing. I didn't listen to the interview. Um, you should li- you should go back and listen only in that 
I, I do think Judson did a good job, and he pressed him a couple times. He goes, well, you're not being really specific on this, but, you know, I get it, and, well, we don't want to look back. And, okay, if you don't want to look back, then looking forward, what are we doing moving forward? Mm-hmm. We are listening to what everybody's saying. We understand people are still upset. We we can empathize with that. Well, if they could empathize, why didn't they think about that? Every time they bragged about their beautiful new scoreboard at the soccer stadium that the Galaxy play in, that the Chargers get to just use for a little while, every time they bragged about the scoreboard, or every time they bragged about how how they tried to put in effort to the fan experience. I mean, they they everything they said was a backhanded bitch slap to the San Diego community. And now you're going to come back crawling on your hands and knees and you're going to use Nick Hardwick? I mean, dude, just have a set of balls, walk into our radio studio, take an hour of your time, and say, okay, tough guy, bring it on. Like, that's what I would do. I'd walk in and go, okay, Scott, you, by the way, you remember, Dean Spanos came to me. This is the last home game against the Raiders. This was uh, 2016. Yeah. And he said to me, thank you, unsolicited. I came here to say thank you because you really, really helped us push Measure C. Yeah. And I said, Dean, I'm just trying to help keep the team right. and keep the NFL. And you were, by the way. You were, by the way. When a lot of people were actually going the other way, and I was probably on that same wagon just going, doesn't seem sincere. The convenium doesn't make sense. I don't understand. you got to give two-thirds vote. You can't get your mother. Your mother doesn't get two-thirds vote. Fred, why are we trying to push this thing at this level? You can't get two-thirds. It makes no sense. It still didn't make sense for, to me. For, for Dean, though, to say to me that day, had we gotten 50%, we would have stayed and fought. Right. Our question because was— Because it came back in the end, and they were fighting for it. But the, for the fact is, I will, I'm, I'm just telling you, you were on that as a sports fan and a San Diegan going— there's a lot of bullshit here I don't even understand at the end, but what I do agree on is I want to fucking keep the team here. Right. How can I help so, use so, my influence to do that? So when the father comes to me and thanks me, yeah. unsolicited, and, and I know he's pissed. I know he hears the things that I've said. And, dude, I'll go back to what A.J. Smith said many years ago. It's not personal. It's just business. That's it. I'm in business, too. My business is is saying, look, we've got a sports radio station here in San Diego that all of a sudden has just lost its NFL football team. It's been here for 50 plus years. What's going to happen to the future of our industry? Right. You know, and, and for me, I let my real raw emotions out on the air about my anger towards them. And so if he's pissed off about that tough fucking shit, yeah. look what he did to this community. So now if you're going to put your sons in front of the microphone because you don't have the guts to do it yourself. Well, at least the two kids should be grown men. I had a, a relationship with both of them. I'm not saying I was close friends with either of them. I had a professional relationship with them. If the two of them want to walk into a radio studio, sit down, and take real questions. By the way, forget about the past. The past is the past. Yeah. It's over. It doesn't matter. It They're not coming back. Moving forward. But if you want me, who was your biggest fan and somebody who drove your bandwagon, if you want to convince me that you're only two hours up the road and it's really not that big a deal, then come sit down and persuade your biggest critic who's got a, an army of other critics standing right behind me. So grow a set of balls. Yeah. Well, if you're truly trying to embrace the community and what we're talking about here, try to embrace it. You got, you got, you, you can't get lobbing softballs in there and just tell you, oh, we've looked at that. We don't want to look back and, and not have a plan moving forward. At the end of the day, and you really shouldn't use the word empathy in any of your statements because if you actually look up the empathy word and understand it, there was very little empathy 
when that plan was, you know, finally when the, the cord was cut and you were moving forward and there wasn't an ep- a lot of empathy looking back when you look at a lot of the employees and what happened to them that have been there a they long time. Over I, so I, many I, people. I'm just telling you. I'm so glad em- to see empathy. Empathy is not a great word that I would use with any of that. Did you see Scott Yaffe? I don't know if you followed him on Twitter. This Love weekend. Yaffe. Scott yeah. Yaffe was a long time, 25 year yeah. Charger public relations assistant. Yeah. Assuming this kid had other opportunities. Yeah. Assuming. When Bill Johnson retires, Scott will take the job. Yeah. They move to L.A. They interview Scott. They tell him, no, no thanks. They went with somebody who had more L.A. experience. You might even be able to, to justify this. Yeah. But a 25-year guy doesn't get the chance in year one to be that's the your, guy. That's your guy. What they did to Bob Wick, firing him. I mean, th- that's who they are. So no matter what John and A.G. come on and say to Nick Hardwick, who we know has already sold out to that team. Listen, you know, I saw Nick at the Super Bowl. And, and I walked by his set, and I've never met the other guy that's on the air with yeah, him. Just, I've never met him before. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I know a lot of friends of mine that, they yeah. go, oh, he's a great guy. I'm sure he yeah. is. I walked by their set. I gave him a little peace sign, which just was like, hey, guys. I didn't walk up and shake their hands. Right. I didn't, you know, I'm not personally angry at those guys. They've got a job to do. I've got a job to do. They've got a business to protect. I've got a business to protect. They've decided that they wanted to be the Charger Homer station. I think that is deplorable, and I will continue to be on the other side. If John and AG want to persuade us, don't persuade the guys that already are pushing right. your whole agenda. Come persuade those of us that are your biggest critics. That's all I'm trying to say. No, it is. And it's it still stays raw. It's it's amazing now. You know. Think about Philadelphia. Think if you're in Philadelphia uh, right now, what you feel about the Eagles or the Super Bowl I felt champs. really after watching that and really not having a dog in the fight on that, I really didn't. It was a great game and I enjoyed watching it. I'm so glad after seeing the response and all this pent up stuff in Philadelphia and how they were just going gaga on this it made me feel good as a you know American that like a great I, American city oh like my Philadelphia God, yeah just and how bad they wanted it yeah. and they loved their team they loved the Eagles mm-hmm. and the owner and you know seeing pictures of him he's walking through the tailgates doing selfies with people and I've never met him but you know what I want to meet that guy yeah I'd love to have a beer with that guy that's that's awesome. So uh, I think for the right time and effort, the right team won in the end. You know, uh, I didn't see it. Somebody was just saying, well, I was out surfing this morning, and somebody said there's this great viral thing on, on the Internet right now. You've probably seen it. But it's, um, you know, after the Super Bowl, and it's mocking, it's Nick Foles, and he pulls his – pulls his you know mask off yeah tell me it's tom brady no no it's oh. it, it, it's so it's nick Foles. he pulls it off and it's yeah. eli manning and his jersey you know the the, the, the uh the, i got the you only, again the only two times right. i got you again and it's not actually nick Foles. it was brady you know it was it was uh, manning underneath it and i've heard it's just classic he's got the jersey on and stuff so it's a feel good but you see those things you see those experiences staples center is going to have it with the nba all-star game coming up you just saw it in tampa with that and the shoot arounds this is big stuff. This is the kind of stuff that unites a city in the end more than anything. When you see that, tell me the last thing that united that many Philadelphians at one time over one night. I, I don't know, but it it's, wasn't the World Series. It's been a it's it's been a long time. And when you see that, that is powerful. You can monetize that. But way beyond monetizing, you can't monetize what that means to those San Diegans and the pride for their city if they could actually have something like this that would happen. so All right, so let's end it there because you and me together 
we could talk for hours with no commercial breaks. We've gone 58 minutes. Love it. Did you realize it was that long? No, I could do this all day. So so let's just say this. This will be the first appearance for Ernie Han on the solo Hopefully when we come back, we'll have more updates to tell about uh, the future of sports and entertainment in, in the city. We'll have... More things to talk about, you know, working on a lease extension right now. We didn't talk about that with the city. That's important. Our lease comes up in two years, so I'm in the middle of talking with the city. We'll get that done so that the goals continue to play here, that the, you know, Joe Size group can continue to play here. And we'll have that locked up so that if something can happen in the meantime, got a place for these teams to play where they're comfortable and all that. And if something can happen in the next five or seven or eight years and we get our dream, that can all transfer right to that new building we have it. So let's hope that over time that we're having that discussion. Very well said. I really loved getting Ernie Hahn going at the end because by that time, he'd been rolling, you know, and he was feeling comfortable and he was really happy to let loose. And I thought that Ernie's analysis of the John and A.G. Spanos situation was pretty interesting. To think that they would be so unprepared You own an NFL football team. You are crawling back to your previous fan base. They hate you. They despise you. You are deplorable to them. You are terrible. You've ripped their heart out. If you're going to come crawling back, at least be prepared to answer a question, which is, what's the game plan? If you want to somehow persuade San Diegans that the Chargers are now only an hour and 45 minutes up the road, it's no big deal. Yeah, parking's more expensive and tickets are more expensive and the time is more, but come on, come back up to us. If you want us back, you need to get down on your hands and knees and beg. Not have answers like, I don't know, um, you know we're thinking about it. We, uh, we're, we're waiting for people to tell us what they want. The first thing people wanted was an apology. That's all. Very simple. The next thing people want is an admission. As in, we tried, we didn't get it done, we had no choice, it was business. I mean, come out and give us something. By the way, admit that you were wrong. If that's what you think. If you don't, you don't. Don't go on the air with a team employee and think that we're all going to just fall for that nonsense. If you guys want the fans of this town, to come back to you, which I don't think any of them will, but some of them might give it consideration. Go face your harshest critics and see if you can persuade them, us. I'll leave you there. Make sure you check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Scott Kaplan, on Twitter, at Scott Kaplan, on Instagram, at Scott Kaplan, and on Snapchat. I have no idea how to use it. My kids all use it. They all love it. Everybody's telling a story. I have no idea how to use Snapchat. I have an account. I don't know how to use it. Any other unnamed platform, Quora, Reddit, anything else, any other platform you got, find me. And make sure you go to my website, scottkaplanmedia.com. If you go to scottkaplanmedia.com and you put your email in, we'll put you on our email list and we'll send you copies of podcasts and other interesting stuff that we're working on here for 2018. Thanks for being with us whether it's on social media, on the radio, or on this podcast. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Scott Kaplan Solo Podcast. Thanks for being with us.